You are listening to the LifePoint Church Sermon of the Week. For more resources, visit us at lifepoint.cc. God is good. And um, I said this first service, but I really do feel like there is like a sense of family that needs to return to the church. And we were, we were talking about that as a, as a trustee team on Thursday night too, at a board meeting on Thursday night. And like there's just this sense, like church shouldn't be so stiff and scripted and, and scheduled. Like as you look at the New Testament church, they went from house to house, you know, day, day by day and broke bread together. And, and there should be this sense of authenticity and purity that we look to one another like family. And so I love those moments um, where we just get to exemplify that. I want to do things a little bit differently this morning. Um, I do have a message on my heart uh, from Galatians chapter 2. You can turn there if you'd like, but I'm going to take a little while to get there. Um, I want to share a short encouragement with, with you as a church. I felt like over the last six months that uh, we have been graced with the Lord's presence in a tangible and beautiful way. Um, but at the same time, I've sensed a, a moments in the room, uh, kind of the atmosphere of the room, sometimes a hesitancy to respond to the Lord, like a timidity to respond to the Lord. And I just want to speak into that because I believe that there's a, a threshold that we've approached and the Lord is just like opening our eyes to it. It's a threshold as to whether or not the, the hunger of the Lord in the house will, will surpass um, this care of what people think and this fear of people's opinion over our lives. And uh, I believe we're reaching that threshold. And it, that becomes an invitation then for us as to whether or not we're going to allow the hunger for the Lord to, to rule the day or whether we're going to allow all the other stuff of caring of people's opinions and religion and, uh, and the fear of, of, of fear of man. Um, I want to bring that to our attention because I believe that we have a beautiful invitation to step into something that's out of this world. It's called the kingdom of God. And um, there's been this passage on my, my heart all week, Second Chronicles chapter 16, verse 9, that says, The eyes of the Lord move to and fro throughout the earth, looking to strengthen a heart who is loyal to him. That's the New King James says, loyal to him. The, the uh, ESV says, a heart that's fully committed to him. So I just love that. It's not like the Lord actually has eyes because, you know, he's omnipresent. He can see everywhere at the same time. But it's, the, it's what that scripture is communicating is the heart of the Lord, that his eyes are so eager to run and strengthen and pour out grace, pour out his presence upon those ones whose hearts are turned towards him in this responsive attitude of, of loyalty and committedness and devotion. I mean, <laughs> what an invitation. And so... I want us to be a responsive people. I want us to be a people that grow in childlikeness and that when the Lord moves, we respond. And so I wanted my wife to share uh, a quick testimony from our time away. We recently took a sabbatical, an eight-week sabbatical, and seven of those eight weeks we spent down in Florida um, worshiping at, at a different church. This is the best church in the world. There's honestly no place we'd rather be. But there was something sacred about us taking a sabbatical to just be us and, not, and just receive and not pour out and to be anonymous and sit in the seats. And it was beautiful. The Lord met us. But early on in the sabbatical, the Lord really moved in my wife's life. Um, every, honestly, every Sunday we showed up. They had services in the morning and the evenings and we'd 
go to both. It was just a wild day all day long, worshiping the Lord. Um, but it's, it's like those services were tailored to us. You know, you ever feel that way? Where the Lord just got your number? Well, that's what it was like. And um, I wanted my wife to share about an experience from our second week of sabbatical. Um, yeah, the first week we were back, Drew's like, and I'm hoping that my wife will share sometime. And it's like, mm-hmm. I planted, I planted like, the seed, yeah, early on. I and then this the week he's like, would you share? And it's like, yes. Like, I felt like, you know, it's like, you kind of think it's going to be like, maybe off or maybe it won't happen. And then he asked me to share. And I just, I have been crying like all morning, <laughs> like the services, because, um, because God is so good, and Jesus is so good, and um, and when he asked this week, I was like, yes, I don't even have to think about it, because it's just like, I just encountered something with the Lord, and I just want to be obedient to steward it so well, and it's just continued on, and the second week that we were there, um, I went into the service, and um, we sat by these people, and you're always sitting by just amazing people, and you wanted to know where they were from, and so Drew's kind of chatting. He was pretty chatty that morning, chatty. Not, not necessarily my personality, but I was yeah. chit-chatting that morning. But I just felt like I felt something as soon as I got there. And, um, and it was like I wasn't even engaged, really. It's like you're sitting there with people, but it's like I wasn't even really engaged in the conversation. And um, then throughout the service, I'm just like weeping and crying and crying and just felt like the Lord was like doing something in my heart. And I just felt really, really broken. And Um, I had asked the Lord some things and just was so desperate and hungry for the Lord. And like, it was just like that morning, I just remember that the the pastor that was speaking, and this happened like a number of occasions, um, where it was like, I asked God, or I was thought about a question, or I asked God a question, or one one day I was kind of frustrated with the Lord with some stuff. And so I just like spoke to him honestly that week. And it's like that Sunday, it was like the pastor just like was talking and then said this like casual sentence kind of to us. And I just was like, that's the answer to my question that I'm like asking the Lord. And so that morning, I I honestly don't even remember what he spoke about. And I don't remember what the call was for at the altar, but um, there are always people going for it to get saved. But I just looked at Drew and I was like, I think I'm supposed to go up there. Like I'm supposed to go to the altar. And for me, um, like I grew up as a pastor's kid, which was such a gift and um, married a pastor. Actually, I married an engineer, but um, no, <laughs> but then Called um, an audible, I guess. Yeah, I did marry an engineer. Um, but now I'm married to the same guy, a pastor, a pastor. That's clarifying. That's clarifying. Same guy. But, um, but I just was like, I need to go to the altar. I don't even, honestly, I don't remember what he called for, but it was like, I told him I need to go. And he looked at me and he's like, I'll go with you. And so we just like stepped out and we went up to the altar and there's nothing significant about like this carpet or um, like let's measure like these 11 feet here and you know there's nothing significant about that but for me that morning there was like something really significant about dying to what people think (laughs) and I just think like when you grow up in the church and you fill a seat you can experience good things in the Lord and love him but it's like sometimes we start numbing that place where the Holy Spirit is like calling you into more. And it's like we start ignoring um, 
just ignoring some of that leading and kind of maybe a little hardening of heart. And um, so that morning, I didn't care. I was like, I need to go. He's like, I'll go with you. We went up there and it's like, you stepped into like a dying of self, stepping out in front of people and not caring what they think. But also it was like, I stepped into like a tangible presence of the Lord that I can't really honestly describe to you guys. And it's like, um, I stepped out and just truly encountered the Lord, and I'm kind of an old soul with, like, music and Christmas music, and so there's this old song that says, like, something um, happened, and now I know he touched me, and that's what, it's like, something happened, and I know he touched me, but I can't really put it into words to you guys, and, um, and that morning was just so significant, like, stepping out and dying to myself and encountering this like tangible presence of the Lord, but also it's been like a place that he just started a work in me that morning. And, um, and it's like a concrete memory that I can like look back and be like, oh, I remember when I felt like that drawing and I stepped into it and there's just been such a like tenderizing my heart and such a goodness of God. And I just didn't realize the things that I had, um, adapted into my life of my view of God. And it's like um, that his goodness and his kindness and his mercy means something for the questions in my head or the anxiousness I feel. And like the gospel is just too precious, just too precious. And it it does mean something for us. And so, um, so that just like began a significant work in me. And I said like, the longer that we were there, it was like each week I almost like got like smaller, like younger. It was like started out as an adult in there, you know, hey, we're visiting on sabbatical. And then it's like, it like it was like I grew into more childlikeness as we were there. And I just feel like the place I'm at now is like, whoa, I've like tasted something so good and the goodness of God that I can lay things at his feet and encounter Jesus that it's like, man, there's so much more. And so I'm just, um, yeah, I think just as a church, we've been feeling like with the Sunday morning uh, altars, sometimes it's like, hey, if you need to accept Jesus, and I feel, feel like sometimes we feel this hesitance, like I accepted him before or I encountered the Lord. Um, I feel like people sometimes feel like they need to explain why they're up there. Um, But we'd rather have like all of the pastors at the front encountering the Lord and all of you that even have known the Lord, whether it's been a week or never or forever, but we want your yes to be to the Holy Spirit, not to the response, but your yes to be to the Holy Spirit. And that's what I felt like that morning was just like this yes to his spirit. And um, I just remember... uh, one last thing. I just remember that the guy that would usher us all the time while we were there, I remember like like way later, all of a sudden I saw him and he's at the altar like responding to the Lord. And I just felt like it was such a beautiful picture of like our yes is not like that we have to justify like I got saved when I was five and then seven. Um, although those things are significant, I feel like our yes is to Jesus. Amen. And so you don't have to explain to anyone or justify, but... Um, I just felt like growing up, and even now, it's like I would feel maybe sometimes a tenderness of the Holy Spirit, but it's like, I'll take care of that in my bedroom tonight, or I'll take care of that tomorrow, and the likelihood is that, like, it never will happen, and so just like the tenderness to Jesus in the moment, and saying yes, just in the moment. Amen. Amen.
So I want us to respond to the Lord right now because um, I, I believe there's like a corporate response the Lord wants us to make as a declaration together, locking arms that we want all that he has for us. But I feel like you hit a ceiling in, in terms of what I was talking about earlier, you know, the, the hunger and needing to surpass our care, what people think. And, and so I want us to respond. And I believe much of what Tanya is talking about uh, again, it's not about the physical spaces. It's about a spirit posture, a heart posture of responding immediately to the Lord and not hesitating. I think we've all done what she was describing where the Lord's moving in our hearts. He's drawing us towards something. And then we say, that's, that's amazing, but I'll deal with that later. Uh, I'll have some time alone with the Lord later and, and I'll, I'll deal with that. And either that time never comes or when we get to that place, you can't go back to that because part of what's happening in that moment is the spirit alivening, doing a work and quickening you. And so you, you can't go there through mental ascent and through mental gymnastics. It's the Holy Spirit that's doing a work. So you can't just muster that up again. Uh, and so you've missed the window. And, and that's not a cruelty of the Lord. It's actually the goodness of the Lord. Uh, as we die to ourselves, he pours out his grace. But it's not gonna be in mixture. It's not gonna be uh, intermingled with our own uh, trying to have it both ways. So let's respond to the Lord. Would you all stand in this place? I believe the Lord wants to pour out his Holy Spirit, but he is looking for a people that are willing to respond to him. We respond to you, Lord, right now. Make us like little children. I don't think, think about what other people are thinking and their opinions of us, but respond to truth wholeheartedly, radically, with abandon. Lord, any hardening of heart that's taken place in this house, I pray would be dealt with this morning. That there would be a tenderizing of your Holy Spirit that's wooing us and drawing us towards your goodness and that you'd give us another opportunity. Lord, don't pass us by. Open up the windows of heaven. Open up that door once again and give us an invitation and we're saying together, I do believe that there is a collective of people, a critical mass of people in this house that will respond. That, that's a, the faith brewing in my heart. Otherwise, I wouldn't have taken the time to explain this this morning. I believe there's a critical mass of people in this house that will say yes to you, Jesus, no matter the cost, that will respond immediately when the door opens. That when your presence falls, will be so malleable in your hands, will be so surrendered and yielded to what you want to do. So we say yes to your work in this city, in this church family, in your mighty name. Amen. Amen. You can go and find your seats. How do I go on? That's the question. Um, as I said, I, I wanted to share a message with you from Galatians chapter 2.
um, about the living reality of the power of God in our lives today. The living, saving power of Jesus Christ in your life today. So what Tanya was talking about is like salvation experiences that we have in the past, maybe when you've surrendered your life to Christ and Holy Spirit comes to live inside of you. Your sin is dealt with. Your, your conscience is cleaned. Your, your sin is removed and you're as, as clean as, as, as white as snow. He saved us. But there is this New Testament concept of also being saved, being in the process of being saved, being, being made into the image of, of Christ. And ultimately, there is a day where we will be saved, a future tense, being saved from the judgment to come and ultimately separation from the Lord, eternal torment. We will be saved. Hallelujah. <laughs> like, praise God. I'm so thankful that he saved me. I'm so thankful that he will be saving me in the future. But I want us to grow, and I do believe there's a deficiency in the church of understanding what it means to be being saved currently, like present, progressive, where we're being saved and turned into the image of the Lord. And here's the kind of the crux of it. I feel like oftentimes we pray a prayer, we make a commitment, we place our faith in Jesus Christ, which I believe is, <clears throat> excuse me, genuine and authentic, but we get back into Monday and our flesh, our old man or woman, our old person <laughs> is there rearing us in the face again. And, and we kind of like get discouraged and we're like, hey, what happened? I thought that was real. I thought that was authentic. Like I thought I was saved. Like why am I still having those thoughts? Why are those weaknesses and those temptations still rearing their face? And oftentimes people, um, that takes the wind out of their sails altogether. They end up turning away from the Lord or, or they, they wander through life wondering. I want us to be freed from that this morning. And I, I say that boldly. I want us to be freed from that tension this morning. Because I do believe there are keys here in scripture that release us from that tension and allow us to experience every single day an invitation to walk in freedom and joy and life in Jesus. Galatians chapter two, verse 20 says this, that I have been crucified with Christ. And specifically the context here is Paul is speaking to believers that are wrestling with you know, the implications of salvation for their faith. And it's like, ah, it didn't really seem like it dealt with certain things well enough. So we should intermingle other, other requirements for salvation to really make it stick, to really make it count. Other additional things in addition to the purity of Jesus. He says, I've been crucified with Christ. He's describing his experience of the Lord. It's no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. That is the beautiful exchange of the gospel. He gave his life as a substitute for yours. And what he's asking for, of you is that you lay down your life so you can receive his life. That's the beautiful exchange. He laid down his life for you. You lay down your life and he gives you new life. And here he's in the next, in the next little uh, uh, portion, he describes the tension. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. So he says, this life which I now let live in the flesh. That's it. That's what, you, that's what you wake up to Monday morning. 
is that life in the flesh. Like you weren't freed from that because you prayed a prayer, you placed your faith in Jesus Christ. There is this reality of this moment in which we live we are still bound to the flesh, to live in the flesh. But there, there's a key that will set you free from having to be subject to that flesh all the time. You, we don't have to. So let's turn to Romans chapter eight and I'll give you just a little bit more insight into what I'm talking about. Because Romans chapter seven talks about the same tension, you know, where Paul says, hey, I love Jesus, but I'm still doing the same things that I don't want to do. Like, oh, this wretched man that I am. That's what he says in Romans chapter seven. But then he gets to the the breakthrough key in Romans chapter eight, where he says, there is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. So you can circle that word now in your Bible. There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. Like what you prayed, what you submitted to the Lord on that day, excuse me, what you, uh, that confession of faith to the Lord, it was real. And so there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. So there it is. Before he says he lives in the flesh by faith in the son of God. But here he says, we don't walk in accordance with the flesh. Sorry, <clears throat> can I have a drink of water? Here's my water boy, my son. Great job, buddy. So putting the two together, Galatians chapter two says we live in the flesh. Romans chapter eight says we don't live according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. And that is the invitation that we wake up to every single morning. Are we going to choose to live in accordance with the spirit? Yes, we live in the flesh. It's there. Your weakness, your tiredness. And just to be clear, the flesh isn't always sinful flesh. The word that Paul's using there in Galatians chapter two is talking about like a broader sense of the flesh, like our physical res- like constraints, our limitations that we wake up to every day. I was talking about this with my wife this week. I felt really tired all, all week long. That is my flesh. I don't have to beat myself up about it and and feel bad, like I've sinned or something, but it does frustrate me. And even in that aspect of our flesh, we are given an invitation. Are we gonna live in accordance with those weaknesses and then give in to the lethargy and apathy and tiredness and and bad thinking that comes out of, of even those weaknesses? Or are we gonna live in accordance with the spirit? For the law, verse two, for the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. So either that's true or it's not. He has made me free from the law that we were born into. For what the law could not do in in that it was weak through the flesh, God did by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh. On account of sin, he condemned sin in the flesh. And that's where we all say amen that the righteous requirements of the law might be fulfilled in us who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. So putting the two together to bring full circle, Galatians chapter two says, we live by faith in the son of God. Why and how, how can we do that? Or first, let's answer the question of why. Why can we do that? Because we have one who came in sinful flesh, but what? He didn't submit to those temptations. He didn't fall into the, the sinful uh, fall prey to the sinful weaknesses like we do. But yet he was 
familiar with the tiredness and the hunger pains of this life, those limitations of our flesh, but yet was without sin. And then he took our place on the cross so that we could now enter into the life of the spirit that he purchased for us. That is our new life in Christ. So that is why, because we, we have one who came in likeness of sinful flesh, but was completely different. One more passage of scripture, and then we will respond to the Lord. Second Corinthians chapter three. This is what brings to, uh, gives us a description of what's available to us every single day. Second Corinthians chapter three, verse 16. This is what happens when the grand exchange happens. When you lay down your life and you receive his life, verse 16, uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 3, it says, Nevertheless, when one turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. It's like the confusion and well, inability to see the Lord rightly, to see ourselves before the Lord rightly, is lifted. And specifically, he's, you know, the specific context is in relation to the Jews. Them not being able to see the Lord in the Old Covenant, the Old Testament, rightly. But when one turns to the Lord, this veil is lifted. And that's available to the Jews as well. All of a sudden, the whole Old Testament comes like alive to them as this beautiful mosaic of the Lord's beautiful redemptive story. This veil is lifted. They see Jesus everywhere. And uh, it's, a, it's, a, it's a beautiful way to read the Old Testament is to, to see Jesus throughout it because he is everywhere. Verse 17, now the Lord is the spirit and where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty, there, there's freedom. But we all, with unveiled faces, behold, as in a mirror, the glory of the Lord. We are being transformed in the same image from glory to glory, just as by the Spirit of God. That is us being saved currently, present tense, now. That freedom that's available through the Spirit of the Lord. It looks like that, with unveiled faces, being able to look at the beauty of the Lord. And as we do that, as we look at him, we are transformed from glory to glory, from beauty to beauty, from majesty to majesty, by the Spirit of God. I'm going to invite the worship team to come forward. So why? Why, why can we access this every single day? Because Jesus took our place in sinful flesh. How do we do it? We look at Jesus. Galatians chapter 2, verse 20. We live by faith in the Son of God. We live life in the flesh, but we live by faith in the Son of God. So we look at him, and that's the invitation for us every day, and it actually becomes our greatest delight. And what you'll find is when weakness arises, sinful or unsinful, like if it's amoral, or when sinful temptation arises, we are given, we are presented with an invitation. Are we going to look at Jesus are we going to continue like we began? Think about that moment when you were saved. Think about that moment when you surrendered your life to Christ. The revelation that's necessary in that moment for that exchange to happen is that you come to the end of yourself, you realize you cannot clean up your life and that you need a perfect substitute. You place your faith in him. You profess him as, as savior, Lord, that's it. It's that simple, right? And he sends the spirit, the spirit of God to come and live inside of you. That's how you began. That's how you also continue. 
And so this, this invitation we're given every single day to live according to the spirit and not according to the flesh is that. It's that invitation to behold the son of God. Will we place our faith in him? And that revelation even for me this, this week was powerful as I was dealing with like physical tiredness. That's not even a matter of sin. It's just physical tiredness. But what I found, and I'm, you still need sleep. I'm not saying you can go without sleep. But what I found is even in physical tiredness, as I sit there and I place my faith in the son of God, there is like this supernatural energy that fills me that I cannot, that I cannot explain to you. Like all of a sudden I'm reinvigorated with things that actually matter. Like all of a sudden eternity like the things of eternity rise up in my heart as I behold the son of God, as I place my faith in him, something changes in me. And eventually then I'll take a nap or I'll sleep through the night. But I'm just saying like there is a relevance for the temptations of sin and there's a relevance to the other physical limitations that apply to the flesh. This is available to us every single day. If you'd all stand in this place, we're gonna respond to the Lord. There's freedom available in Jesus. There is joy available in Jesus. There is a life of sufficiency available in Jesus. So yes, he saved you, but you're also being saved. And yes, you will be saved. If you don't close your eyes in this place, I'm gonna call us to respond. in two ways. Firstly, for those in this place that need to surrender their lives to Christ, they need to be saved, like I was talking about. They need to make a commitment to serve the Lord and to surrender their life to him, to place their faith in him as their sufficiency. I'm gonna give you an opportunity to respond. And today is your day. Today is your day to step into that, to experience the life of the Spirit. And secondly, I want to give an invitation for those in this place that want to walk in that freedom, but have found themselves oftentimes living outside of that. Those in this place that need to continue like you began, who need a renewing of their faith in the Son of God in this hour, in this moment, for today. Maybe you've been living off, off the experience or the decision or commitment that you, you prayed however many years ago. And ever since then, you've been living on fumes. The Lord wants to renew your faith in his living reality as the son of God this morning. So if you're part of that first group this morning, you say, Drew, I need to make a commitment to serve Jesus. I need to surrender my life to Christ. Would you raise your hand in this place? Awesome, thank you. Anybody else in this place? Thank you. There's a couple hands. Any other hands in this place? Awesome. You can put your hands down. Secondly, if you're in this place and you're part of that second group, you want the freedom of the Lord, you want the peace of Jesus, you want the joy of the Lord. You've oftentimes found yourself living outside of that, but this morning you want that to be renewed in your life in a fresh way. Would you raise your hand in this place? Awesome. So if you raised your hand in this place, or even if you didn't, would you come forward out of your seats? Come meet the Lord up here. You're not coming to meet me. You're not coming to satisfy me. You're coming to meet the Lord. Would you come forward? Awesome, come, 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 come. 
come. This is like the immediacy of our response matters. There's freedom in Christ. For those that need to be saved, but also for those that are being saved, there's freedom available this morning. So if you were part of that first group this morning, you can pray a prayer like this. And let's all pray along this morning with those who are surrendering their life to Christ. Lord, this morning, pray that out loud. Lord, this morning, I come to the end of myself. I recognize you as the only answer for my life. I place my faith in you as Savior, as Lord, as my substitute on the cross. From this day forward, I'm choosing to live for you. No turning back. And I believe that your Holy Spirit comes to live inside of me right now, bringing new life, bringing relationship with God, and a clean conscience. No turning back. Hallelujah. Let's give those that prayed that prayer a huge hand. Everyone else, let's respond to the Lord. We live now by faith in the Son of God. And faith is not some combination of good thoughts that you muster up. It's not a critical mass of good energy. Faith is this. Hebrews 11 verse 1 says that faith is the substance of things hoped for. That substance was revealed to us 2,000 years ago in the person of Jesus Christ. So you want faith? Look at Jesus. He is your faith. Scripture says he's the author and the perfecter of your faith because he is the substance of your faith. So look at Jesus right now. Actually, in this living moment in human history, he still bears the marks of the cross in his hands and his feet as a reminder for all of eternity of his love for you, his availability to you. So God, I pray this morning for your grace to be poured out upon these hungry hearts, for your freedom to be experienced, for the weight to be lifted, for your light and easy yoke to be experienced upon their lives. That, Lord, the burdens of this life and of the enemy would be lifted and it would be replaced with the yoke of covenant relationship with you as they walk hand in hand with you. I pray that you'd just sear their hearts with a conviction of your living reality. I pray for a grace to be poured out upon our church family to be responsive to this daily invitation to look at the Son of God 
that as we live out this life in the flesh, we choose faith in the Son of God over living in accordance to the flesh. I pray for that grace upon every hungry heart that responded. Fill them right now with your Holy Spirit. Fill them to overflowing. In your mighty name, Jesus. This has been the LifePoint Church Sermon of the Week. For more resources, visit us at lifepoint.cc.